This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6 when there's no football. So it's a bye week and I am here uh, and I'll be back after the football season. And I'm, as usual, talking about the biggest story of the week, which was the Benghazi hearing with Hillary. I'm going to get to a few other topics on the show. I want to talk about Paul Ryan as speaker. This stuff kind of flows together, the election. I mean, this is all about the election. It's all about uh, the power struggle between the Republicans and the Democrats, which I think goes on on one level, but really at a higher level, they're all in it together. So this kind of ties that stuff all up in a bow. But the thing with the Benghazi hearing that reminded me of a Putin expression, it was like shearing a pig. Uh, A lot of squealing, but very little wool. And I was disappointed. I thought the Republicans were just continuing with this minutia that doesn't matter, that she anticipated. They were like softballs. While these some of these Republicans were acting like they were asking the tough questions, I was listening to the question and thinking about the easy answer she was just about to give, and then she would give the answer. So I'm not buying it. And then, of course, the press. I mean, one guy said... Uh, on CNN that it was the worst grilling since the McCarthy era in Congress. I mean, it's just preposterous. Uh, I got some tweets and Facebook posts. If you want to tweet at me at Monica Perez show, I do read some tweets on the air. I just got one from Rob saying, Monica, what you have to remember about Benghazi and Libya, Somalia, and so on, were started as CIA operations Hillary had nothing to do with. I do say she is not truthful in most cases, but she cannot tell all because it goes beyond her into a matter of security. Okay, I actually don't care about getting Hillary. I care about what our overarching policy is, and that's why I think the Republicans aren't going after her. The reality is that we're about to do the same thing in Syria as we've done in so many other places, which take out stable governments, whether you like them or not, if they have their prisons full of al-Qaeda and you think that is a human rights violation, okay, but when you take them over and they open the prison doors, these the al-Qaeda floods out, the terrorists flood out, they destabilize the countries. That's what we did there, whether Hillary started it or not. And maybe we should say, okay, the reason that CIA is supposed to be answerable to Congress, and they weren't in this case, is that somebody needs to pull in the reins when things are going in the wrong direction. And I think that's why we have to apply some of these lessons, get to the truth, learn the lessons, and apply them to Syria. Uh, But there's a a lot of, um, I think, what the Republicans are doing, I think they it's not incompetence it's not like they don't know the real story i think they're laying off in the same way they kind of backed off operation fast and furious i mean nothing ever came of that and also americans died 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB talk i'm going to Corey and coming hi Corey. you're on with monica hi can you hear me i can how are you doing all right, I'm good. Um, I, just before I get to my main point, I think I definitely agree with that tweet that you just read off that there's probably a lot that Hillary Clinton doesn't know about. But uh, going to whether, uh, going to the intentions of the committee specifically, I mean, I, I agree with you that 
probably the more powerful Republicans really don't want to get to the bottom of it. But I, I, I don't really think I think that the people who are on this committee specifically, and take Trey Gowdy for example, the head of the committee, he's not really. I mean, he's more or less a nobody in Congress. I mean, he, he's from you know Spartanburg, South Carolina, which is not. I really don't think that he's an insider. I think that he is. Uh, legitimately going after Clinton. I mean, whether you know, he's a partisan warrior or not, I don't know. But I'll tell I think you, a lot of these people on this committee are actually. I mean, I think they are probably honest in going after Hillary Clinton, and I think it's probably partisan. But uh, I, I think they're being fed questions, and I think they're probably being directed by someone uh, at a higher level than they are. That's probably and, true. Uh, I'm going to let you people, finish, but I'm going to tell you something about Trey Gowdy. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. If you follow me on Facebook at all, you'll see there was some back and forth about that. I was horrified and not believing the story. There was a story this week that uh, one of uh, somebody on Trey Gowdy's staff or he himself released an email of Hillary's that was redacted that the the, the um, inside source, the high-level Libyan who had... Um, defected or whatever become a source for the cia they'd redacted his name but didn't redact it out of the subject line so somebody so sydney blumenthal sent an email to hillary and in the subject line he writes the most sensitive information in the whole email it's not believable and that they missed it not believable but i figured i even gave trey gaddy the benefit of the doubt on that and said maybe somebody set him up maybe it's a shot across the bow don't go too far you can't even trust your own people but then i saw that Trey Gowdy had pushed for the TPA, the Trade Promotion Authority for for Obama, and Paul Ryan also did that. It was a it was a vote, I think, like two eighteen to two oh eight. So every vote counted, and these guys did that. In my opinion, that was a total abdication of constitutional responsibility to oversee these treaties, the treaties that become the supreme law of the land according to the Constitution. The TPP is the worst political thing that I can think of in my lifetime. And Trey Gowdy was instrumental in getting that in the, a very critical phase and getting that passed. So now the ball's in the other court and he, he, I no longer give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think it is. That's when I changed from thinking it was politics or incompetence to thinking that there was, it's more like uh, backroom stuff, but go ahead. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't know about that. That's yeah. But um, well, I mean, uh, as uh, I, I think there is probably something going. I think there is definitely something going on between Daryl Issa and uh, Trey Gowdy. Um, I, I, and I mean, whether or not they're, I, I don't know whether they're working together or uh, whether they're, you know, antagonistic towards each other or what. But I, there have been a lot of incidents between. I mean, for example, on a June sixteenth and some hearing that Sidney Blumenthal was in. Yes. Uh, Daryl Issa tried to walk in on the hearing. And Trey Gowdy like quickly rushed over, like he immediately knew, and then he yeah, turned saw him away from the room, like he wanted to get him out of the out of the hearing for some reason or another. Uh, that was just something that was kind of strange. That I yeah, that's weird. It was like Isa was trying to intimidate those guys into letting him stay, and maybe watching Sidney Blumenthal's back. Maybe Isa. I mean, I always thought that with the Operation Fast and Furious thing, why Isa stopped short of really holding Eric Holder's feet to the fire on that. I, I, I mean, I just no longer trust him either for that reason. And Isa released a White House memo 
at one point that he had access to about Benghazi that supported Hillary's story that they genuinely believed the video was the cause of the attack. So ISA really undermined this basic, one of the only things that they really focus on, which is that that was all a big lie. Why? ISA wouldn't do that by accident, I don't think. I mean, I think he's really, I mean, I don't think there is any question that he's not naive, that this stuff is... uh, that oh, he knows yeah, exactly what he's no doing. Way. I mean, he's the wealthiest member of Congress. So I think it's pretty much undeniable that he's a pretty high up in a controlling level. Yeah. So, and I've got one more thing on McCarthy. What else you got? Uh, that was, uh, well, what McCarthy said was interesting as, as well. Yeah, right? Uh, but although I don't think that's really the re- I don't think that's the reason why he stepped down. A lot of people in the mainstream media said that was probably the reason why he dropped out of the race for Speaker, but... Yeah, let me explain uh, other, to people. Other people. Other people have told me it was because he was uh, in an affair with a woman from North Carolina. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, let me just explain this story to people that McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, was was wanted to be Speaker of the House, and then he said these crazy things that, oh look, we're now that we're going after Hillary on Benghazi, her poll numbers are dropping, and that's just such a such an impolitic thing to say i don't care how stupid or incompetent you are as a politician that's the kind of mistake that politicians don't make they don't accidentally tell the truth that uh, i don't even understand half the words that are coming out of their mouth because it's such gobbledygook they never like come out and say stuff so i never believe that yeah and then they said the thing about the affair that that was really the reason i actually wonder if the real real reason is that he wanted to set up uh Paul Ryan as a a reluctant hero that he wanted to set him up as a guy who uh, uh, doesn't really want to be speaker, but we're in a crisis and uh, you have to we have to accept him. And then Paul Ryan came up with these demands that were absolutely preposterous as if he was doing us a favor. So I I do want to talk a little bit about uh, that. And I want to quickly um take another call before the break i want to go to john in duluth john you're on with monica monica yes hello i just want to say out of all the republican candidates that the media blocks out rand paul just like they did to his father Mm -hmm. and he wants the truest fair tax system out of all the candidates and he also wants congressional term limits well, they'll never st- the establishment will never stand for that. That's enough to block him out. I think that's that explains why he is marginalized on its face. But I think it goes a little deeper than that. Uh, I'm going to take a break. I'll, is that did you want to add anything to that? And then I'll give you uh, my thoughts. That, that's just my main point, and I think it's a shame. I'll reiterate how the media blacks him out. Yeah, I totally agree. And they did the same thing to. Uh, his father, and but one thing while I was watching these Benghazi hearings, I thought of of Ron Paul. I thought, oh my gosh, we need Ron Paul there now because yeah. absolutely nobody is talking about the principles at stake, the ideology that we're employing, our overarching policies. No one was addressing that. Ron Paul would have, Dennis Kucinich would have, and then I saw on the Ron Paul Institute he had written the very next day a quick article about that. Uh, but they, yeah, they they don't want to hear that. Everybody is on the no, same page. And Rand Paul has won three straw polls in a row, and the media will not even mention that. 
And and I think it's it's a that Rand Paul was trying to play the game with them a little bit because Ron Paul didn't. And I think that they have bamboozled him into moving away from the libertarian base and uh, and then the establishment abandons him anyway. I think that was a setup from the beginning. But let's talk a little bit more about that. I want to get uh, into the Hillary thing and how I thought the debate was totally scripted, the role I think Bernie Sanders is playing, 404 750 1-800-WSB-TALK, and we can keep talking about the Benghazi stuff because that rabbit hole is deep. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We're talking about this week, few things happened. Benghazi committee called Hillary to testify before Congress. Paul Ryan announced that he was running for Speaker of the House. And, uh... There's lots of stuff in between that I want to get to. I'm going to take your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to David and Chambly. Hi, David. You're on with Monica. Oh, hey, Monica. Great to hear you on the radio today. Um, yeah, I was just calling because, uh, you know, I'm a, a multifaceted thing, but, um, you know, I didn't want to discount this whole video story thing either because it, it really fascinates me the way the PR machine, you know, worked, especially, you know, it was right before the election, and the whole theme was going to be, you know, that the uh, Al-Qaeda and everybody was on the run, and I think that they couldn't send any help because of politics. They would have to clear it with the Libyan government, and there would have been a big event. It would have been, you know, it would have made news probably some kind of way because it would have been a... um, military flare-up in a place where they were trying to say they've, you know, brought peace. And so they just had to ride it out. And so by coming up with the video story, they were able to sort of flip the blame. If you can, if they could blame homophobia, then that's right up their alley. You know, um, Obama is all about, you know, against homophobia. So And what, that's that what... You- that was part of the theme in the video. I didn't. I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched well, a little bit of it. It was if, so preposterous. If they were, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Bat Muhammad. Angry because yeah. yeah. If they were angry yeah. because the uh, video was was blasphemous. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. Then the, you know what I mean. So um, the then all of a sudden then the problem is homophobia, and that's what. And you're saying that 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 was supposed they, to be the story, and then that fell apart. Right, right, and it's just so crass and cynical. I mean, the way that they would would you know just come up with something like that, you know. Yeah, that just, that uh, is cynical because what what I always dismiss this as being the big issue is that how could they ever have thought it was going to work at all? But but you know, stuff does work like that. Stuff that simplistic does work, and then it's untouchable. That is a good point. I mean, I still think that the rabbit hole is super deep on this one, but I won't dismiss that. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB. Saturday is from 3 to 6, although during football season I do make way for Georgia. And uh, I will be back after football's over, but it's a bye week, so I'm here. And talking about the news of the week, there have been a few things, but most notably the Benghazi hearing, where it was basically a big nothing burger, I think. I think 
that there's been all sorts of press saying that Hillary was, uh, here's a couple of headlines. Clinton grilled on Benghazi. She totally wasn't. And that was from the journal, the Wall Street Journal. Clinton holds her ground. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff on Yahoo. The Get Hillary Committee did not get Hillary. And then my favorite headline was Benghazi gives Hillary presidential platform. It's like if you don't if you didn't realize what the the propaganda machinations here were, now you do. This gave her a platform to look presidential and the Republicans did not get in her way. And you would think they would cuz they're on the other side. But when I watched the Democrat debate where Bernie Sanders shook her hand or uh, and pat her on the back over the email thing. It was it was obviously a setup to make her look good. But what I really think I saw a smoking gun. You can I wrote a little article about it on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, that showed that uh, Anderson Cooper was the moderator, and he asked a question of Bernie Sanders about income inequality. Then he gave the question to Hillary. Then Martin O'Malley jumped in, and he said, you know, there's something nobody's been talking about here, and that's Glass-Steagall. Glass-Steagall is very important, needs to be reinstated. Anderson Cooper said, oh, for the audience at home, let me explain what Glass-Steagall is. And... They should never have done this. The camera cut to Anderson Cooper, and he did not have too many cards. The card in his hand that he was already reading from was about Glass-Steagall, when it had nothing to do with the question he had asked. He wasn't even asking Martin O'Malley. Yeah, maybe Glass-Steagall was one of, like, a hundred things there should be a card about, but this was, he wasn't fumbling around. This was in his hand. So it seemed to me that Hillary looked great because she had all the answers at her fingertips, almost anticipated them, and uh, and really nailed it down. But now there's no doubt in my mind that that thing was, you know, they gave the answers out ahead or gave the questions out or made it very clear what to expect, even to the point where the closing statements of the candidates referred to what happened during the debate. Like these guys just did their closing statements on the fly, that they actually wrote it in their heads as they were debating and didn't prepare their 90 seconds speeches ahead of time. It just, if you looked at it, I'm sure, I mean, it was almost impossible for me to watch the whole thing. If it's not your job, I'm sure you're not going to want to sit through it. But you can go to my website and just look at these little snippets and see what you think. But it looks to me that this whole Democratic primary process is uh, really just a, a play, a play in three parts or whatever. Like Hillary's on the ropes, Hillary uh, gets her bearing, then Hillary surges ahead. And even Bernie Sanders, I, they used to laugh him out of the room when he would be like, I want to run for president. I'm a socialist. You know, people would laugh at him the way they used to laugh at Donald Trump. And I feel like Bernie Sanders' function with Hillary is a lot like what I always felt Elizabeth Warren's function with Obama was, to make those guys who are very left seem moderate, because Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are even further to the left, and it actually moves the whole discussion to the left. The whole center moves to the left when they have that kind of weight on the ends like that. So I personally think this thing is really uh, just a setup. I really don't even can't even engage that it's that's deep, but but the Republicans aren't messing it up for her. I'm not saying she's going to win. I think the same thing is going on on the Republican side. Uh, so I'm curious to see when the focus will turn uh, on that, see what the developments are there. But uh, I'm going to take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Houston and Fayetteville. Hi, Houston. You're on with Monica. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? You're on with Monica. You, are you a libertarian? I am a libertarian. Are you? 
Well, no, it ain't nothing. I'm a I'm a Trump man because y'all don't have a libertarian that's that's running. I can't. Wait. What are y'all waiting on? You know, I think the what Ron Paul, who used to run as an independent, uh, as a libertarian outside the parties, concluded that you can't, yeah. you just can't win that way. And plus, it gets well, people. You got, what's, uh, everybody's sick and tired. Now, I'm 76 years old. I was a Democrat. I voted mostly for the people. But the Democrats, I don't know what you know about them, but and how long you've been living in Atlanta. I lived through all the racial stuff. In the 60s, every Democrat was racist against the black. Lester Maddox, you know anything about Lester Maddox? Governor Sanders? Uh, I was not. I only lived, I've only lived well, in Atlanta. You do a look at uh, Wikipedia and find a history in the 60s of the... Uh, of the Democrats and learn what. Uh, oh, yeah, and and Lincoln Carter. was a Republican, so Carter I do. Was, Carter was a racist. I'm telling you, in the seventies, look at look this Wikipedia and look all of that up. I voted for Clinton. Okay. Yes, here because I was uh, uh, I voted for uh, for uh, Bush. He lied. No well, taxes. They all lie. They all lie. Let me tell you, I'm going to answer your original question. Why don't the libertarians have a candidate? I feel like the libertarians would have a candidate that even inside the Republican Party, a libertarian candidate could flourish. I think Ron Paul would have won both the primary for the Republicans and he would have absolutely had a landslide in the general election if that if the system had been fair i think he was undermined by the media i think there was even funny business in the actual voting in the primaries if the whole system were fair and you took a piece of paper and you cast your vote and you put it in a shoebox and there was a webcam there and that shoebox did not move till it was counted at the end of the night and the lights stayed on i feel like ron paul would have won he really had the momentum and he had the purity and you would think that purity of idea purity of message would never win but there, the reality is, I think, that his son Rand decided, okay, my dad didn't win, whether fair or square or because he was sabotaged or whatever. He didn't win with the pure ideology. So I'm going to compromise. I'm going to get inside what there's an expression I have on my glossary on my website, monicaprezshow.com, that says uh, it's called the Overton window. The Overton window is... The idea that no one can be elected if they're too far away from the center, from acceptable political ideas. So Rand Paul, I think, made the decision to get inside the Overton window. And boy, was that a mistake because he has less support than his father ever had. And the Republican establishment was never going to trust him. And he was just ne- but, you know, he did that. He made that decision. And now uh, he's being marginalized by the media and nobody really defends him because he got away from that really satisfying libertarian message. I used to say when I hear Ron Paul talk, it would be like putting on a warm blanket on a cold day. You just want to hear him talk. And when he's not talking the talk, you kind of lose your enthusiasm for it. So I think that's what happened. And I think, um, but it was a very strong movement. So when Paul Ryan was first announced as VP, I read many articles, and I wrote many articles, but I read many articles that said that he was a libertarian, that he carried around a copy of Atlas Shrugged, which Ayn Rand isn't libertarian enough for me, but he, that, that was his shtick. 
And I wrote articles debunking that, that Paul Ryan was just trying to get the libertarians into the fold. I think they've managed to stamp the libertarian movement down, tamp it down in, in the Republican Party. But as we saw with this Paul Ryan Speaker of the House thing this week where he demanded that the Freedom Caucus endorse him or he wouldn't run, they didn't endorse him. He got the majority of them to say that they would vote for him, but the caucus would not endorse him. So they haven't completely silenced that libertarian faction, the Republican Party. But you asked me, why doesn't the libertarians have a candidate? They would have a candidate and it would be the Republican nominee if the Republican establishment would just allow what the people want. We want a fairer, John called earlier, said Rand Paul is the only fair uh, level of playing field kind of tax thing. We need tax reform, real tax reform, just have a flat tax, I mean, or whatever, but make it simple, make it fair. And, uh, they just don't want that. They don't want anything that uh, really serves us. They It's gotten to the point where the, it's purely uh, the only the establishment is served by this democracy or republic or democratic republic, however you want to call it. The, the votes don't really count if you can't pay back the guys in power. And then that's why the entrenched power always stays in power. Uh, I... I'm going to take a couple more calls. I can't see your names, though. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So what we were talking about earlier with John was this idea of principles and the fact that nobody in this Benghazi hearing was, uh, was talking about the principles, was questioning the policies, was questioning the uh, ideology of regime change, of CIA operations that are supposed to at least inform Congress and don't like what was happening from what I could read in Benghazi, that that we're doing these things. And, and people said about Ron Paul that he had a dangerous foreign policy. But look, what he wanted was to engage economically with people, to defend us. He's a pro-gun rights guy and pro-defense. It's just that he rightly identified that these kind of interventions destabilize foreign countries. They destroy secular leaders who seem to have a control in those countries. They, they are dealing with some crazy stuff. And when you take them out and their prisons open and Al-Qaeda runs around like crazy, you're going to have problems. Ashton Carter, the Secretary of Defense right now, just came out today on the front page article in the Wall Street Journal saying, we will have Americans in harm's way in Iraq and Syria. Get ready. He said, I don't want anyone to be under any illusions. We're putting Americans in harm's way. Where does he get off doing that? Most of this stuff is a sham. If you really look at all the excuses they're using for these kind of interventions, they have nothing to do with national security. And kind of don't have anything to do with uh, the humanitarian excuses they're using to silence the anti-war left. So I would say what I want to hear from the politicians and from the Congress and all that is a real discussion about these policies and just an explanation of how they could possibly serve our national interest when all they do is spread these terrorists around and uh, make us enemies, spend our money, get our guys killed, 
it's it's getting to the point where I can't even I don't even understand how anyone can just blindly follow their party anymore after it's so clear they're just not working for us. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Your call's next. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Talking about the Benghazi hearings, but also the bigger picture about the politicians, the Republicans aren't really going after her. I don't know if they're all in bed together or they're afraid of the PR or what, but I was very disappointed. Well, that would take expectations. I was not surprised, but uh, the the grueling 11 hours that Hillary was browbeaten by the Republicans was no big deal. <laughs> anyway, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Jim in Marietta. Hi, Jim. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Hey, I want to take exception to uh, your comment that every they all lie. I, yeah, I should I, never say that kind of general thing. I'm at the uh, end of my rope, but I hear you. Go. I, I meant what I meant was both sides of the aisle. I didn't actually mean every single person. What I meant was both the Democrats and the Republicans okay. at that level. I, but go, go. I, I think we have to differentiate between uh, what lie and what the purpose is because we've all lied in our lives. You know, what's the purpose of the lie? For example, Barack Obama. David Axelrod in his book admitted that in 2008, Barack Obama said that marriage was between a man and a woman, and he lied. And Jonathan Gruber said, related to Obamacare, that Obama was clearly knew he was lying, that if you wanted to uh, keep your health insurance, you could. And also... The $2,500 reduction for average reduction for, you know, the citizens. So I think we have to differentiate. For example, I think, you know, that Tom Tom and Betty Price, two politicians here in Georgia, I don't think they're liars. Is he the the congressman from the 6th District? What's his? Yes, he is. He's chairman of the uh, budget committee. He was a doctor, right? Yes. I yes, like he's an orthopedic surgeon, and his wife Betty is also an, a doctor, either radiology or anesthesiology. It's I funny. I get the sense like Ron Paul was a doctor, Ben Carson was a doctor. I, I feel like the men of science, real science, where they have to actually, you know, put the the where the rubber hits the road, uh, tend to be more honest. And I'm really glad that you called that to my attention i mean i don't know him personally but if you have faith in him there are honest guys there and thank god you know i call it i i call it the remnant i I mean i didn't coin that phrase but there's a remnant and that's what i really feel like our purpose is here to keep the remnant alive to keep the ideas alive to keep the nobility of man alive maybe the majority of those in power will always be bad and always were that's the kind of person who pursues power but there have to there has to be hope for us just to keep this alive from generation to generation 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK this is Monica Perez